Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. I'm James Blonde. You're listening to Dance Masters, and I'm very, very excited to welcome tonight's guests, as they really, really do know how to bring the party. With over 15 Ministry of Sound albums to the name, many of which have all reached number one, it's fair to say these guys are one of the hottest production acts still on the circuit. Known as the kings of mashup, we welcome the cut-up boys, Nick and Matt, to the show. Woo! Hello, James. Hey, James. It's great to have you here. So Nice to see you. Splendid. Thank you very much. Um, so can you tell me how the Cut Up Boys project first came about? We were both quite involved in the sort of Bournemouth clubbing scene and, you know, making rave records, drum and bass house, sort of in that scene, making various dance tunes. Um, we both ended up working for a super club called Slinky that people might have heard of, you know. And we were working in the studio there. I was running the label. Nick was running the studio. We got in with Radio One. They had something called the, the Dance Selector, I think it was called. We sort of regularly started doing some mashy mixes for them. Cut a long story short, that evolved into the cut-up mix on the Dave Pierce show. That was a real big break for us when we really got into the mashups, doing a half-hour mashup mix for Dave Pierce. We ended up doing 200 mixes for Radio 1, and they sort of went down really well. And that really got us the gig with Ministry. So, you know, when you're hooked up with Radio, BBC Radio 1 and Ministry of Sound, um, yeah, it all sort of took off, and yeah, it was, it was rock and roll. And what was the process for selecting what tracks to mash up? The playlist, yeah. <laughs> on, Radio, I mean, Radio, Radio on Radio 1, so when we were doing the cut-up mix, it's pretty much all the current stuff um, that was in the playlist, I guess. One of the big things with doing mashups is the one thing that sort of um, limits you is, is can you get acapellas, can you get instrumental? Yeah. So it was quite guided by that, but yeah. When we were with Radio 1 as well, like the whole sort of mashup thing was a bit of a grey area at that time. It was a little bit bit naughty almost, wasn't it? If yeah. you know what I mean. So get, getting acapellas and stuff was uh, was quite tricky. That was back in the ancient old days where a lot of people didn't know what a mashup was. And and then so w- with Ministry, we had a bit of a wider choice. Um, although one limitation on them is because Ministry had got these sort of political differences with the major labels, we couldn't license anything from Universal, Sony, EMI, so, Virgin. So that's generally about 90%, <laughs> 90% of recorded music. <laughs> that's, that's it. So basically stuff on Ministry's catalogue or independent labels. Mm. But, you know, that's still a hell of a lot of music and a lot of really good music. I mean, the other problem was artists and labels letting you use the music. I mean, the first track on the first album, Mashup Mix album, was uh, Liberty X mashed up with Cheryl Lynn. And, um, you know, we thought the whole project was going to be a bit dodgy. The first track on the first album... Liberty X issued a cease and desist notice on Ministry of Sound. That was on track one, album one. And they ended up paying uh, thousands of pounds to Liberty X to actually use it. It's got to be the stupidest sort of music to make. Not only is there no money in it when you do it properly and license it properly, every track has at least two artists, both who, who want full payment for the use of it. So obviously... At that point, you were predominantly producing uh, and in the studio. And then from there came the live show where you got to go out and perform live and, and DJing. Do you have a preference to either performing live or producing in the studio? I think we sort of enjoy both. It's great to, to go out and play live because then you can kind of see that there is a reaction to what you've been doing in the studio That's because right. you spend a lot of time in the studio and you know, you're not 100% sure whether things are really working or not but when you actually get to play them out live you can see yeah. the response you know instantly both myself and nick we were very much not the djs we were the producers because you know we, we weren't really sort of seeking uh, a career in djing but you know 
Kind of happened as a byproduct. Yeah, from, you, you, from you're making no money out of making mashups. We built quite a big profile up through Radio One and Ministry, and you know you end up getting offered you know mm. decent money to go and DJ. So we really got into it and really I'd, enjoyed it. And I'd have to say I, I think we thoroughly enjoyed the DJing. Actually, it was oh, brilliant. Well, it's not a lot not to enjoy. Yeah, fantastic. Do you have an all-time favourite DJ? Oh gosh, that's an interesting question. I suppose it must be you, Nick. Oh, do you know what? That's, that's, that, that's, that is irony. I can tell you a DJ who I'm going to give a shout to, who I absolutely adore, um, who really n- you never hear get mentioned. I don't know whether you've heard of him, James. Um, a guy called DJ Lewis. Um, no. And he, he was... Oh, old school. He, yeah, he, he DJed um, for The Orb. If, if people yeah. who went to see The Orb would often have seen DJ Lewis before The Orb. I mean, I just thought he was incredible and everyone else thought he was incredible, but he never really sort of got on to too much. I'd have to give a shout to lots and lots of resident DJs, actually, because many of the time, you know, all the sort of clubs, unis and and that we've been to, the resident DJs often are absolutely awesome. That's a very nice, noble point of view. No, it's really true. We we often made the point that when we went to gigs, no one smashed it like the resident we'd often feel bad going on after yeah. something. They would have it so yeah. smashing, yeah, so definitely. rocking. you feel quite bad. And then you'd see sort of big name DJs almost get pulled off the desk. I mean, I have to say, you've got to give credit to people. Like, I, I, if I had to pick sort of, you know, a, a big DJ, you have to say someone like sort of Carl Cox. James Long. James oh, James Long's the master. Yeah, that would be me. Is there a signature record or a go-to tune that defines your sound? There's a selection. We, we could do a sort of, we'll, we'll have to do a mix at some point that's just... The classics that we don't yeah. play way too much. What's that drum and bass ready or not? What's all that? Oh, there's a zinc mix. There's a zinc mix of um, the Fugees, uh, ready or not, by the Fugees. Yeah, was, I mean, and that's absolutely slamming. Um, Kern Craft. We, we've done a mashup of Kern Craft and um, Tom Craft. Is it Tom, Tom Craft? Craft? DJ, uh, DJ Tom Craft. <laughs> we don't. We don't even know what they're. But yeah. This, but the, the things the things we love playing out, they're often not necessarily tunes we love, but because we've done something that we wanted to do with them. We're not doing very well, are we, on remembering? <laughs> Glad I'm you're t- not a mastermind. I guess it depends. It depends what we're playing. Well, that's you know, it. To, we'll, we'll, to, play, to we'll, we'll, we'll play such different sets to different crowds. You know, we'll, we'll do whole R&B sets or we'll do whole, you know, banging hard house and trance sets millions of times we've played bon jovi living on the yeah, well, well. <laughs> yeah, last that was a staple the, the unis yeah well, we, we get fixated on certain last tunes i think uh, was it chase and status Ch- chase um, and status blind faith blind faith is a real rage against machine rage against killing rage, rage, rage machine killing in the name of that we've we've got a version <laughs> that's got mixed with um public enemy um, oh, wow. that applause is, that's just a riot start to an absolutely <laughs> aggy one your music collection just goes from a to z doesn't it really um with yeah. that in mind do you have a all-time favorite tune well actually i've, I've just mentioned one of them actually i'd say my my second favorite tune of all time would be um uh, public enemy rebel mm. without a pause that just kill it's just the killer tune so heavy so yeah, no, so ballsy a... but i don't know whether how this fits in with the dj and i'm a massive prince fan so yeah. prince for me is is that's my kind of religion huge 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 prince fan i'm just in a different league can you guys remember way back when uh you were young whippersnappers 
pocket money in hand and you've skipped down to either the local Woolworths or record shop and bought your first uh, piece of vinyl. Oh, absolutely. I can't. You know what? Uh, The first piece of vinyl I bought, um, it it wasn't even music. It was actually, (laughs) it it was actually a Scooby-Doo storybook. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it was a a Scooby-Doo storybook and it was on vinyl. And I remember mum putting it on. I was, I was, only, I was terrified. I, I didn't, I didn't want to play it. It was so scary. <laughs> Bizarrely, I mean, I was a real cheesy pop boy when I first got into music, sort of. And um, I bought all sorts of rubbish, but freakishly, my first vinyl purchase, seven inch from John Menzies in Christchurch, was um, a very cool track. Actually, that I'd still say it's very cool. And it was um, Golden Brown by the Stranglers. Well, no, that I mean, is a cool track. Oh, what a tune it is. Yeah. 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 I, my, my, that was my first. My second was uh, the seven inch of Flash by Queen, which was, you know, oh, right. still not so bad. <laughs> I've gone downhill since then. Neither of those trump my Russ Abbott and Atmosphere, though. Oh, yeah. Love to hear well, your well, boys well, do something with that. I, I reckon <laughs> we could put that over like sort of some techno tune or something. I've got a friend and he's only ever bought one record in his life, and it was, it's uh, Shaking Stephen's album. Oh. <laughs> And that, and he's still got that, uh, Greg. He's still got it. That, oh, that's his record. So, that's so, his record. So, so, say no more. Yeah, so, and no and more. you're still friends with him. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> only, only geographic <laughs> I was going to ask you if you have a secret guilty pleasure track, but we, we've already covered oh, this. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, let's not even go there, shall we? <laughs> that's the thing, James. We have. <laughs> imagine, imagine how bad it is. Um, no, I think I think we've been through most of those already. Yes. Do you have a treasured piece of vinyl that will go to your grave with you? A treasured, a treasured piece of vinyl. Um... Do we have a treasured piece of vinyl that will go with us to the grave? I mean, Ooh, yes. I... I've got a few. Mine, mine is a um, 1991, the first record I ever released. It's a track called More, uh, Nuclear Powered by Morphosis. We pressed it off a tape and it was a terrible pressing and had a really um, depressing day going around London trying to sell them with all the people in the record. So it sounds wicked, but, you know, just an awful pressing. And I think I've got the only one left in existence, but it's just really precious to me. Yeah, we've got a few like that, haven't we? Yeah, stuff that we put out that uh, only had a few copies of sort of thing that we yeah. probably don't even exist anymore. I, I, I don't know whether I've got any sort of really special bits of a track. Maybe I've got a few, a few rare Eagles 12 inches. <laughs> <laughs> I've got plenty of precious vinyl that's precious to me. But if you really pushed into why it's precious to me, it's because I was listening to when I was with some girl I really fancied when I was 15. <laughs> We've got, um, we, we had a very dear friend, a very dear to both of us, passed away five or six years ago. His record collection was kind of sort of... Extensive. It was just... Yeah, an amazing... Amazing. You know, sort of techno and bits and bobs. His record collection got very kindly sort of split up by his family amongst his friends. And then he was yeah. our DJ sort of thing. When you talk about precious vinyl, that's my precious vinyl. Spreaders, big big up spreaders, big up DJ spreaders, RIP. Wicked, that's really cool. Uh, Now the world is opening up again. Uh, Are there any gigs in particular that you're looking forward to? Well, definitely. I think our core market now is the sort of retro, retro retro weekenders. Yeah, so we do these big weekends. Um, They do them often at like Holiday Park, Butlins, or Pontins, or places. But they're awesome. They're like brilliant. You know, like four thousand people, really unpretentious, but quite a sort of. Some people might say an uncool crowd, but just with all the old DJs, you know, you see. Jules, Danny Rampling, yeah, I see Danny Rampling, yeah, Sonic, all that, those yeah. sort of people, and um, and we love them, and they're they're such easy gigs to do, and they put you up and look after you, so yeah, really, but really looking forward to those coming back on. So if you've liked what you've heard, and you fancy adding some tunes into the mix, 
Check out the full two-hour show with an exclusive mix from tonight's guest at unionjackdance.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Join us back here next Friday on Dance Masters and don't forget to hit the link to subscribe. Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music.